Little known fact for you, this past week has been National Triathlon Week in the USA. So what better way to celebrate than by chatting to one of their biggest and brightest triathlon talents, Rio Olympian and three-time elite national champion, Ben Canute. Welcome to episode 7 of Try Me A River and I've got a real treat for you this week. One of the most exciting triathletes on the world circuit today, Ben Canute from Arizona in the United States is dropping by for a chat. He's a member of the US Mixed Relay team, he competed at the Rio Olympics in 2016 and is focusing all his energy towards Tokyo and believes he has a great chance of coming back home with a gold medal if everything goes according to plan for him and the rest of the relay team. He was an absolute pleasure to interview, and that's all coming up for you in just a few minutes time. But first, I want to fill you in on what's been happening with me since we were all last together. I'd been looking into a few virtual triathlon races and had signed up for the Lakesman in Lockdown event last weekend, which would have involved me doing an iron distance cycle and a marathon run. However, at the very last minute, a change of plan cropped up. A good friend of mine mentioned in passing that he was thinking of doing a 240 mile cycle in one day, the idea being 240 miles in 24 hours, but he planned it on the same day I was thinking of doing my virtual triathlon. So even though I'm not sure whether I made life easier or harder for myself, I chose to join him and two others and we effectively did a lap of Northern Ireland between sunrise and sunset. It was the longest day of the year and it felt like if I didn't take the opportunity on the longest day to do a daft excessive cycle, I'd just have to wait another year to do it again. I can't say the four o'clock start in the morning is something that I want to make into a regular thing, but the day that we had was immense. Gorgeous sunshine for almost the whole ride, hefty tailwinds pushing us back up the Antrim coast when we were beginning to flag, and even some surprise supporters along the way to give us snacks and encouragement and to flick on the headlights when we needed it the most right at the very end of the day. Have you been out and about making the most of the long hot summer days? any triathlons or even any long cycles like ours. Please get in touch. Let me know what you've been at. You can fire me a message on Twitter at TryMeARiver or via email on TryMeARiver at gmail.com. I'd love to know what you've been up to. But back to the podcast and back to today's guest who was such a gent. Ben Canute and his wife Courtney have been documenting their training throughout lockdown over on their YouTube channel, which is well worth a look if you have time later on. And it was great to hear from Ben about how he's been managing through the past few months and still finding lots of positives to take from the opportunities that have come up through it. As I mentioned earlier, Ben's a three-time US national champion. He's no stranger to life at the business end of World Series races. And it was really fascinating to hear his perspective on the current state of triathlon today and why we're starting to see new formats appearing and what these are doing to promote 
not only the growth of the sport, but also the performance levels of the athletes taking part. He's a top bloke and the sort of person you feel like you learn something from the more you listen to him. So whatever you're at, whether you're sat in the office, working out in the exercise bike, or cooking tonight's dinner, take the next 20 minutes or so to enjoy some time in the company of the brilliant Ben Canute. Ben, how has life been in your part of the world over the past few unusual months? Right, it's been a bit of a change, I'd say. Um, I think everybody would say that, but um, when it comes down to it, I mean, I'm still training. Uh, it's just a little bit different, maybe a bit more inside, a little bit less swimming for a time there. But, you know, finding ways to keep myself busy, been quarantining with my wife and my our new puppy, Tucker. So <laughs> just uh, enjoying life in maybe a little bit slightly different way. Yeah. And I, I saw just over the weekend, you were taking part in the Ironman virtual race series. And for people who maybe haven't been following that, can you explain the concept of that series and how you got involved with it? Yeah. So each one is... Um, a little bit different, but the main concept behind it is just everybody coming together, testing themselves, and still finding that connection, you know, that we would find at the races, but it's all virtually right now. So this past weekend for the professionals, it was a combination of a 3K time trial run and then a 40K time trial bike out on the, the Australian 5150 course, Port Marquis or Macri, I butcher the name, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it's always good. Virtual racing is super hard. It's obviously different from a normal race, but it's been a, a good way to pass the time when racing has been, you know, gone for half a year. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like having that little bit of competition keeps you going when you're training? Yeah, it definitely provides a distraction. So <laughs> I, I've just had to refocus goals a little bit and refocus the timeline a little, but having these in here to, to test myself, see where I'm at has been, you know, kind of a, a welcome um, challenge. Yeah, and, and you won at the weekend, well done, by something like two seconds. Yeah, thank you. So had a good 3K run and was able to keep Joe Skipper just in my sights to be able to take <laughs> home that one. And even if things do return to some sort of normal soon, do you think these virtual races might feature more as we move into the future with triathlon? in terms of not replacing live racing, but maybe as an extra addition to the calendar? Yeah, you know, I think that they could um, maybe make their name, like when people are, are stuck indoors training, or if there's, you know, some people who have uh, really hot summers or really cold winters, I definitely think that you'll see this kind of carry on a little bit just with the, the popularity of them and with how much fun people are having. I don't know if it could ever fully replace outdoor racing, but it's definitely been fun. And I think a lot of people have really caught on to it. Hmm. And has, has all this indoor training made you like, develop a new love for sweating away inside your own pain cave? Or has it just made you miss being on the roads and doing proper riding more? You know, I kind of, it, it was pretty unique. Like I, I just hopped on some of the virtual platforms uh, right when this happened. So I really kind of enjoyed a lot of the new challenges, figuring out new courses to ride out on the different venue, like the different platforms and the, the challenges that come with it. So I think that I'm going to be able to strike in the future a pretty good balance between some indoor pain cave training and some outdoor exploring. I was out cycling with a friend of mine last weekend and we'd gone up this really horrible hill and at the top of it, he turned to me and said, I like to suffer when I train. 
Do you get a bit of that yourself? Do you like to suffer when you train sometimes? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, a lot of triathletes have that like weird kind of sick, twisted part to them that they love to suffer. But I do. I, I like to suffer when I train. And I feel like there's a few different types of pain. And you're always searching for that one where it like almost feels good, like the harder you push. And those are the days that you always kind of search for with it. And the, when everything clicks and it hurts, but you really just don't care and you can just keep pushing and pushing yourself, those days are great. <laughs> and tell me, what, what motivates you to keep going as a triathlete? Because I guess you've been doing this for a long, long time. And um, you've been doing top end racing where you do have to put yourself through those punishing routines at home. What, what is it that keeps you going and makes you want to continue as a triathlete? Well, I think one of the things is I'm just so competitive and not just with other people, but with myself. So I love seeing how fast I can go, how far I can go, like how well I can do at the races. And I mean, I love to win and I don't like losing at all. But I also, you know, like seeing myself improve and keep bettering myself um, as an athlete and a person throughout the training and racing. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a combination of those things. See, when, when you're at a like, top-end ITU race or at the Olympics and you're deep in the red, what, what do you think about? What, what goes through your head? L let me into your mind. Like, how, how do you keep yourself going when your body wants to give up on you? Yeah, I think it's focusing on the task and it's not letting yourself get too far ahead. When, you get, when you're able to focus on like, the now moment and what you can do right then to be your best self and to you know what can you do right now to make yourself go any faster i think that's it because once you start thinking oh i've got to hold this for a full 10k or oh i've got to hold this for another few miles or another hour or two like that's when i think that you start to to break down a bit mentally because it's too much to to really fathom in your mind but like breaking it into small little pieces is the best and yeah, it's just kind of this trying to get into this super focused, calm, flowy mode that you're in when you're racing. Hmm. Very, very few people can say that they have competed in the Olympic Games. You can say that. Uh, you represented Team USA at the Rio Olympics. Can you describe for me what race day at the Olympics feels like? What did it feel like for you? Yeah, there's definitely some nerves, but I remember just approaching that race like any other race that I would do. And I made kind of the, my main focus to do that because I didn't want to hype up the event too much in my mind and get too excited or too nervous because then I felt like that would affect my performance. So mainly I just wanted to enjoy it, try and soak it all in, make the most of the experience and just really push myself super hard and whether you know that had me finishing top 10 or the back 10, like I didn't really care. I just wanted to make sure that I left everything else out on the course. And uh, I believe that's what happened. Did you notice a different kind of nervous tension, even amongst the really experienced triathletes in the field? Um, you know, I, I don't know if I was uh, looking around too much at that, but yeah, I mean, everybody handles uh, the start of the race a little bit differently. There are some guys who are like kind of in a corner by themselves. Some, you know, are chattering away. And um, I, I think that there's a, quite a bit more nerves than on a normal start line, but I, I don't think I could pick out anybody in particular, but yeah, definitely a wide range of how people handle it. Yeah. And recently, obviously, the Tokyo Olympics have been pushed back by a year. What were your overriding emotions when you first heard that that was going to happen? Was it disappointing because you'd set yourself up for a very specific time for the race? Or did you feel relieved because you had another year to get ready? 
You know, uh, I think it's always disappointing to have, you know, a season or a big race like pushed off or pushed back. And that might be the initial kind of emotions that come out. But my coach put it best is timelines change, but goals don't. So I'm just looking at it as there's another year to prepare. I get to be even better than I was planning on being this year and just kind of handling it that way and being, I guess, flexible. Because as time went on in that, like, you know, it, it just looks more and more apparent, like something like that would happen. So had a little bit of time to process it, but, you know, just doing what I can over here. Even still, you took part in the test event and you were part of the US team who came third that day. I'd be really interested to hear what you make of the whole concept of mixed relay racing. Do you think it works? Do you like that format? Oh, I love it. I think it's one of the most exciting formats in triathlon. And yeah, that's that kind of in the past few years come out, I guess, as a bit of a relay specialist. Um, and that's, you know, one of the reasons why I was racing the test event is I want to put myself on the Olympic team for the relay and uh, have been trying to prove to USAT that I'm the best guy for that. But I love it. I think it's exciting. Lead changes all the time. Um, you never quite know what's going to happen until, you know, like everybody crosses the finish line. So I love it it's all out. It's super hard. I think it kind of fits my like personality and racing style as well. And do you think that team USA have a, have a chance of gold in, in the mixed relay because you have a very strong team? Yeah. I mean, we, we've been on the, the podium at the world champs for, for quite a few years and we've been able to put together like a few really strong teams. So um, I think we definitely have a shot at at least the podium, if not a gold medal, but you know, a lot of teams are, are getting really good at the mixed relay and have a lot of strong athletes. So just like any Olympic medal, it's going to be super challenging to, to take that one home. How often do you train with the other members of the mixed relay team before a big event like the Tokyo Test event? Uh, it really depends on the team. So I don't really train with any of the other U.S. athletes. They Everybody's kind of off on their own squad. So there might be a few here and there that end up being on the same squad, but I'm based out of, you know, a different place than a lot of other people. So I see him at a lot of the different races and, you know, you might squeeze in uh, an easy run or an easy ride or swim here or there with them, but no real specific training overall. And everybody's just focused on their one leg and tagging off that next person in the best possible position. Hmm. How do you find the jet setting lifestyle that comes with being an elite athlete do you like as a newly married guy yourself do you find that hard or, or do you enjoy getting to travel to all these different corners of the world oh well, i'm lucky um my wife is able to travel with me quite a bit so we've been able to really enjoy that aspect of triathlon over the past couple of years now but yeah it's it's never easy i'm i like to have a home base and i like to be able to go back and reset and plan for whatever the next training camp next race next few races so I, I find that yeah traveling out I'm never really gone for more than like a few weeks at a time I would say and always then come back home and you know reset myself kind of even out and prepare for that next trip when you were growing up and getting into the sport of triathlon, were there any particular athletes that you looked up to or tried to model yourself on in any way? Oh, there's a lot of them, I think. Like I grew up um, doing triathlon in the early to mid-2000s. So for U.S. athletes, I mean, you had Hunter Kemper and Matt Travat and Andy Potts, international. I mean, 
Gomez was was racing there, and then Alistair Brownlee came up, Jan Frodeno. But you know, I just I liked professional triathlon as a whole, and just watching the races, and wanted to race against these guys. And I mean, I think the person who I I really try and model myself after is my dad, who first introduced me to the sport and really taught me like the how to work like a good work ethic and just what it meant to to be an athlete and a competitor Mm, brilliant some of those athletes you mentioned there have gone long since doing the olympic distance racing would you ever consider going long and giving something like kona a try yeah well i've um uh the longest i'm going right now is half ironman and i found some success there and you know, I think I might have some real success at, at the full Ironman distance, but for right now, I've found that it's really beneficial to hone my speed and be able to to do this range of events from super sprint up to half Ironman. And once you go that extra distance, it can be hard to drop back down. So uh, I'll take my time a little bit, but you know, in the future, I could see something like that happening. Yeah. Do you think the half iron distance complements Olympic racing? Because not only yourself, but the likes of Gomez in recent years and some of the Norwegian guys at the minute would do the half distance and then drop back to Olympic distance. Do you think that helps? Because previously, I guess people might have thought, oh, I wouldn't want to go to middle distance because that might hamper my chances at the Olympic and sprint distance. Yeah, I mean, I think that the racing at the half Ironman distance is starting to mimic almost the racing at Olympic distance because it's just so full on the entire time. So almost the biggest difference between Olympic and half is is the nutrition at this point because people don't really change the amount of hours they train or really the intensity much. They mainly just change like their position on the bike and um, might tweak a few things to be a bit more half Ironman specific. But I think it's really great. Like it's making the half Ironman distance really competitive and we see the world record dropping each year. We see race times and races being much closer. So yeah, and I, I think that there's there's probably a handful of half Ironman guys who who can drop back down and there's some guys from ITU who can come over. But you know, each distance kind of has its quirks and its, you know, challenges. So I and triathlon is becoming more and more of a specialized sport. So I bet you'll see people who specialize pretty much just in the relay, just in sprint or Olympic and and so on. So um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that translates out with some people coming up and down and some people just sticking to it. Hmm. Could you tell me, is there a story behind the American cap that you wear during most of your races? Because I, I spotted that in your website earlier today as well, that you're selling them. Was there a specific point in time that you started wearing the American cap or is that just something you'd always done? Yeah, that happened, uh, I believe, in 2015 or 16. I, I started wearing the American flag cap backwards. And I, I just picked up this hat at a random you know, mall in Arizona and like, I think a hat store. And I, I honestly haven't found that hat anywhere else and got a bunch of messages from people who liked it the first time I wore it. And I, I liked it and just kept wearing it. And over the years, yeah, I've had a lot of people ask, like, where'd you get the hat? What's going on? Like, where can I get one? And didn't really have a good answer for them because I couldn't find one myself. And so, yeah, I started selling some of them, too, to be able to, to let people have that kind of similar hat. And yeah, I like it. I like to rep the USA. And um, so, yeah, it's on the on the website. And, yeah, it's it's been doing, I think, a 
a good amount of people have gotten one so far. I'm planning to get one tonight, so I, I can join Team awesome. Canoe my next race. I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And one thing that I touched on earlier is your um, YouTube channel, and it's brilliant. I, I love the stuff that you, you and your wife put out there. One of my favorite videos that I've seen recently, anywhere online really, is of your new pup that you mentioned earlier. Tucker, isn't that right? Yeah, thank you. We love that <laughs> is, video is, too. Is he, is he going to be your mascot at, at your big races from now on? Well, yeah, and I think it, it looks like a lot of races this year, if they're going to happen, we're going to be driving to them, so he can <laughs> definitely uh, make his way out there. So, yeah, we'll take Tucker along whenever we can. Just before we finish, what, in your opinion, is the future of triathlon? Because it is changing. We mentioned about the virtual races that have been introduced during lockdown, and Super League triathlon has appeared in the past couple of years to mix up the format. Where do you think triathlon is heading in the next few years? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I think triathlon, even in the next few years, we're, we're still a relatively young sport. We're finding our footing a little bit. I, I always think there's going to be the sprint and Olympic distances. We're going to have the half and the Ironman because, um, you know, everybody loves to test themselves over distance. Uh, as far as like professionals and competing, I love what Super League does. And I love what like the Island House triathlon did where you mix it up a little bit and you take people out of their comfort zone and you really test them. We have a lot of this very kind of strict has to be one distance every single time. Everybody wants to go super fast. Uh, what I would love to see are some of the races. And I think that they, they do get some notoriety, but like super league races, you could tell it's all out. It's super hard. They're different distances. They mix it up. Something like escape from Alcatraz that's coming from the roots of the sport where there's no real main distance there. It's in between an Olympic and a half and kind of funky distances, but yeah. a super challenging course overall that makes for some great racing. So I think that we'll always have the traditional triathlon in there, but I think some of this other stuff that's coming in, people are loving it because it's different. And that's what drew people to the sport of triathlon. It, it was something that's different. So this other stuff that's around there will have the core, but I think there's going to be this other vein of like competitive, fast, unique racing. Hmm. Very last thing I want to ask you, what would you say is the biggest lesson that triathlon has taught you? Uh, I would say that it's probably patience. I feel like I learn that every single year and I have to keep reminding myself and this year more than ever for having patience because uh, I think coming out of an off season, a lot of people, myself included, ask themselves the questions like, will I be as fit as I was last year? When am I going to be fit again? Like, how much is this? And uh, I feel like I've written this down on my training log or in a training journal or something multiple times where it's all of a sudden something clicks. and I'm like, I'm back. Like, and I look back a few weeks and I'm like, man, when am I going to be fit again? So there's this constant reminder of patience, whether it's in pacing in a race or in the season or, or whatever. So yeah, I think it's taught me that. Ben, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Uh, take care. And I look forward to cheering you on very soon when racing resumes. Yeah, thanks. You have a good one too. Just the most fascinating insight there from Ben on how he mentally prepares himself for his races and in particular where he sees the sport of triathlon moving in the next few years. It's always been a sport that's embraced change and looked for ways to reach new and wider audiences. And Ben's just the latest in a long, long line of great American triathletes.
After all, it was on American soil where the sport originated in the first place. Not that long ago either. Over on the island of Hawaii in 1978 by US Navy Commander John Collins. For those of you who don't know the amazing story of where the sport came from, Collins and his wife Judy had been taking part in triathlons for a number of years in the mid-70s and heard that the Belgian cyclist Eddie Merckx, hugely successful in the Tour de France, had been described as the fittest athlete on the planet. Collins thought, I don't know, can we conclusively say cyclists are the fittest people? He wanted to put it to the test, so he decided, there in Hawaii, to take three competitions that already existed, the Waikiki Rough Water Swim, the Around Oahu Bike Race, and the Honolulu Marathon, and put swimmers, cyclists, and runners all against each other. And that became the shape of the event, a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile cycle, 26 mile run, that became the World Championships, the first ever Ironman the following year in 1978. And written on the very last page of the instructions that were handed out to all athletes entering in that first race were Collins's famous words, swim 2.4 miles, bike 112 miles, run 26.2 miles, brag for the rest of your life. Yes, it's gone global, but still there has always been a real American core to the elite athletes in the sport. And from the extensive list of phenomenal triathletes who have worn the stars and stripes over the years, I'm going to select just two to quickly profile for you. Please, please go online and read about all the others, but for now I'm going to try and narrow it down and start with one of the triathletes that Ben actually just mentioned as an inspiration for him in our interview, Hunter Kemper. Hunter was one of the OGs, one of the original crowd of triathletes who competed at the very first Olympic triathlon event in Sydney 2000, and who have almost become part of the sport's folklore as much as the likes of John Collins back in the 70s. Hunter raced alongside names like Simon Whitfield, Bevan Doherty, Simon Lessing, people from the old school who were doing triathlon before it was cool in a way, before it became the global phenomenon that it is today. Not only is Hunter a seven-time elite US national champion, he's a four-time Olympian, racing in Sydney, Athens, Beijing and London, and in all those races never finishing outside of the top 20, with his highest finish of seventh at the 2008 Games. He's one of only two male American triathletes to hold the number one ranking in the world, and he is now an ambassador for the sport using his platform to inspire children to take up triathlon alongside lots of other fantastic charity work. A true unsung legend of the game. And where do you even begin with the other triathlete I want to talk about? Rio 2016 gold medalist, two-time ITU world champion and one of the most frighteningly fast runners female triathlon has ever seen, Gwen Jorgensen. Having got into the sport relatively late, in her early 20s while working as an accountant, Gwen quickly showed the triathlon world that she meant business. A flat tyre at the London 2012 Olympics stopped her from showing what she was capable of, but from that point on she didn't look back once. She dismantled the opposition to take back-to-back -back world championship titles in 2014 and 15 before injecting a ferocious kick during the run in Rio to shake off defending champ Nicholas Spearig and claim the gold medal in 2016. 
Following that golden moment, she announced her retirement from triathlon in January 2017 and since then has given birth to her first child and now switched her focus to running. She considered aiming for the marathon in Tokyo and had some success on the roads, but now seems more set on targeting either the 5 or 10k events on the track when Tokyo comes around next year. Regardless of which path she chooses, she has already cemented her place in the triathlon history books. So, it turns out triathletes have been making America great again long before Donald Trump ever arrived on the scene with that slogan. It's the sport's spiritual home, and with the likes of Ben, who we heard today, leading the way, alongside others such as Morgan Pearson, Matt McElroy, Katie Zafirez, Summer Rappaport, Taylor Spivey, etc, etc, the country looks set to stay one of the main triathlon powerhouses for a long time to come. So, I hope Ben's words have inspired you. That's all for us for this time round. As always, please, please get in touch. You know how to get hold of me, at River on Twitter, River at gmail.com on email. It's an absolute pleasure putting this show together. Triathlon is something that I love. It's an absolute joy to chat to you about it. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to chatting to you again very, very soon with another great guest from this brilliant sport. Until then, look after yourselves and I'll see you soon.